Hello, everybody. It's Jonathan Weedman with Community Conversations, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, I have a new friend we're going to visit with today, Brian Goldstein. Brian is the Executive Director of Energy Independence Now, an environmental nonprofit uh, whose mission is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and harmful air pollution by advancing clean hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles and renewable hydrogen infrastructure for transportation renewable energy storage, and deep industrial decarbonization. Now, if that sounds like a mouthful, it is. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. It's a lot to unpack, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience with that in a little while. Um, but Brian is uh, one of the leaders uh, in this sector um, who is spreading the word, the knowledge, the information about this new technology. Uh, it's real. It's happening. And I experienced it. So we're going to talk about that today. So Brian, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing great. It's good awesome. to see you and excited to talk some hydrogen today. I like <laughs> and who thought we'd be talking hydrogen? Exactly, right? So so let me start at the very beginning. Um, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, Brian. But first off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you go to school? I know you, you grew up in Alabama, um, which is a long way from Los Angeles. And how did you get into revolutionizing the automobile transportation industry. Well, I don't, I don't know if we have enough time for all that, but uh, <laughs> let's see, to take it from the, the top. So uh, I did grow up in Alabama, weird set of circumstances. My folks landed there in 1963. Um, I lived there until I finished high school and got out um, as quickly as I could. Uh, mixed feelings about the South. It's um, you know, a beautiful place with, you know, some not so beautiful um, uh, kind of uh, aspects of the culture and so forth. My parents have a, a very nice, warm sense of community. Um, I, you know, all in all, I enjoy going back to visit them, but I'm happy to be living here on the West Coast. Well, well we're certainly glad you're here. Um, hydrogen fueled vehicles. I never thought such a thing would ever exist. Um, tell us, tell us how you came to this profession, how you came to this this area of uh, transportation? Well, just about like everything else in life, I, I just stumbled into it, I guess. Now, I, um, I ended up moving from Alabama out to Colorado. I'm uh, an outdoors person. I, you know, grew up with a, a strong tie to uh, the environment and the land. I was in scouts and went all the way through. I became an Eagle Scout. Or That's right. All the stuff that we we had a chance to talk about, um, but I've always just had this this tie uh, to nature, and so it was a natural next move for me to to go out to Colorado after um, you know finishing high school. So I spent about eight years out there, running around the Rocky Mountains, doing a lot of snowboarding, uh, realizing that nobody was ever going to pay me to snowboard, and I, I ended up. Um, getting a scholarship to go to grad school in Los Angeles. And so um, just like everyone else in Colorado, I thought, oh my God, Los Angeles is the worst <laughs> place on earth. I'm going to dip in. I'm going to keep my head low and, and leave as soon as I finish. And here I am over 20 years later. Um, love LA, a random set of circumstances when I was in grad school. Uh, my mentor was my business law professor and her husband was a serial entrepreneur who um, was starting a business uh, around the time that I got out of school, uh, focusing on, on uh, the California Hydrogen Highway Initiative, which um, ironically, the organization that I now run created. Uh, yeah. so, so things really uh, kind of came, came full circle in that regard. So that's been, I don't know, 16, 17 years, something like that, that I've, I've been in the hydrogen space. 
It's fascinating. Um, I've learned so much about it. Tell us about energy independence now. What do you do? How does it work? Uh, and what are you trying to achieve? So we are a 501c3 environmental nonprofit. Um, for many years, if, if not still, we uh, have been the only environmental nonprofit that just focuses on hydrogen. So we were founded um, um, over 20 years ago through another organization called Environment Now. Uh, we we're founded by a gentleman named Terry Taminen, who's uh, just an environmental rock star, a mentor, a very close friend, a, a partner in crime and all of my uh, work endeavors. Uh, Terry was the Cal EPA secretary, went on to become after founding EIN, Cal EPA secretary for Governor Schwarzenegger. He was cabinet secretary for Governor Schwarzenegger, ran R20 Foundation, uh, was the CEO of the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation, and is now the CEO of, of Alt-C. So um, in his environmental work, uh, you know, over 20 years ago, was taking a strong look at the transportation sector in California, realizing this is a, a huge challenge. Um, it's going to be a tough nut to crack. You know, how are we going to do that? Travel the world, looking at different technologies, batteries, fuel cells, et cetera, et cetera, and realize that uh, hydrogen was, was the best uh, solution um, at the time, and I believe it still is, uh, to solve, you know, kind of our, our air quality and uh, greenhouse gas emissions problems with the, with the transportation sector in California. So it kind of snowballed from there, and uh, we can jump into that here, but uh, that's kind of how EIN uh, came about um, when he became Cal EPA Secretary for Schwarzenegger. He then um, uh, got EIN to develop his vision into the California Hydrogen Highway uh, Initiative. So uh, EIN uh, very much drafted that uh, blueprint for Governor Schwarzenegger, and you know here we are uh, almost 20 years later still uh, uh, seeing it come to fruition. Well, you know, the, um, the novelty of hydrogen vehicles, of electric vehicles. They always were sort of thought of as a curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and uh, as we're speaking today, um, quite literally, the world is on fire. There are fires all over Europe. There, there are multiple fires all over the United States. And this has to do uh, directly with climate change. It's been exacerbated, it's gotten worse. Um, and we're seeing climate events um, that they're starting to say are irreversible. And one of the solutions, one of the, one of the ways out and through this is clean technology, uh, is 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 eliminating greenhouse gas emissions. And um, when you gave me, and and this is what I was talking about earlier, everyone, uh, the opportunity to drive a hydrogen vehicle around town for a week, it was awesome. Um, and I'm not just saying this to be nicer because we're having this conversation. It was the best car I've ever driven on my life on multiple levels from not just acceleration and it's handling uh, the Toyota Mirai is a comfortable car. It's beautifully appointed. It's got every up-to-date gadget in it. You could possibly want. I was still learning things uh, when I finished driving it. Um, and I think anyone who would, who would drive one of these vehicles would not just be impressed and moved by it, but excited. Uh, and I felt smarter driving it because I wasn't polluting the atmosphere. So thank you for that. It was very, very exciting for me. I'm glad it was such a positive experience. You know, um, the technology is so cool, uh, you know, at a very high level with hydrogen and specifically fuel cell technology um, and well beyond the mobility sector, which hopefully we'll have some time to jump into. It is just uh, such a graceful and elegant 
solution and technology that will um, basically allow us to have our cake and eat it too. I mean, we can have cool cars, efficient trucks, boats, you know, all, all kinds of energy storage systems, industrial processes. We can do that with zero emissions. We can do it with, I mean, the only byproduct of the car is pure water. Um, it, it's fast. It has a long range. You can refuel it in, in five minutes. It's just all these attributes make the technology, you know, not only efficient and, and fun, but just to me, it's just, it, uh, I guess the only way to put it, I just, I, I feel like it's really graceful and elegant and it, it accomplishes this uh, task of, you know, in the, in the case of the car of getting us from um, point A to point B in, in just such a, a very cool manner. So, yeah. um, you know, zooming out briefly, and we don't have to dive in too much on, on all the characteristics and what makes them different, but uh, there are two types of, of electric vehicles or two types of zero emission vehicles uh, in general. And so mm -hmm. most people are familiar with battery electric vehicles, and then there are fuel cell electric vehicles, which uh, at the core, as the name would indicate, are electric vehicles, same, you know, electric motors that will uh, power any battery electric vehicle out there. Um, but they produce the electricity in real time instead of uh, storing that electricity in batteries and then trying to pull it out as you need it and keeping it all, uh, you know, in, in what amounts to a very heavy battery pack. So it does that through uh, storing gaseous hydrogen in the car that goes through an electrical electrochemical process in, the, in a fuel cell stack, produces electricity as the car needs it. Uh, and again, the only byproduct is water. So the really key benefit there is that it only takes about five minutes to refuel the cars. The, the car you drove have, has over a 400 mile range. And that's particularly important in a place like California where over 50% of people live in multifamily housing. So, um, you know, over half of our population doesn't necessarily have a garage or a dedicated parking space to be able to charge a battery electric vehicle at home. So hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles, that technology offers us a communal refueling site where you can go to a gas station just like you know you've been used to if you if you've been a driver um, you know before the Zev movement and refuel in five minutes and be back on your way. So I'll pause there. I won't walk out too much of this conversation, but as you can tell, I get really excited about the tech. Well, I have to tell you, something. I was uh, first of all, everyone listening when you when you fuel this car, you pull up to a a, a a pump that looks just like a regular gasoline pump. It works just like they do at Argo and Union seventy six and the rest of them. Um, and you, you know, put your card in or you swipe it and you put in your, your, uh, your, uh, pin number, but when you fuel the car, it's not a liquid that goes in, it's a gas and you, you, you push the, the hose. It's not a hose. It's a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like a hose. It's sort of like putting air in a basketball or when you, when you fill up your, your fuel tank, when you're, when you fill your barbecue tank and you're right, it takes about five minutes, um, and, uh, and then you put it back on and you're on your way. And I will tell you something that uh, I don't know who designed this car, but you, you tap your foot on that accelerator and it takes off like a rocket. Pretty cool, and right? I mean, really, I, I didn't, I, I was pretty restrained, but um, I've never, I've never driven a car that was as responsive quite seriously. Um, and, you know, I'm very, we are very seriously thinking about getting one next year. You have to plan ahead. You have to realize, you know, where are the stations where you can fuel and you don't want to get too low. But I had no problems driving around for the week and I fueled it several times. Um, so so why should somebody today, while it's, it's in its nascent stages, 
buy a hydrogen car. They're for sale. Why should why should someone get one? Well, like I said, you know, the the quick refueling, the versatility of the vehicle, especially if you have uh, long commutes, if you live in an apartment and don't have a, a dedicated parking spot or the ability to put charging at home, if you don't work at, you know, uh, someplace that gives you free, you know, battery charging at, uh, at work. Um, but it's really about, you know, again, the refueling time and the range. And so when you combine those two, um, you know, you can I frequently make trips to Sacramento and San Francisco. I stop one time for five minutes on the way I, you know, refuel the uh, whatever fuel cell vehicle I'm driving at the time, while there are uh, 18 Tesla chargers right around the corner and I see all these people sleeping in their cars while other people are queued up behind them waiting for these, uh, you know, for this opportunity to plug in and sit there and, you know, in, in the Central Valley for an hour. So, you know, the, the flexibility and versatility that the technology offers is really cool. Uh, you know, and of course, it you don't really have to um, look at the practical aspects of driving to be into it. It's just really cool technology. And I know we've got, you know, a lot of technology geeks out there. It's uh, it's something different. As I mentioned before, it's just a very elegant technology. Um, and it just, it's yet another alternative. And, you know, at the very core of the work that we do here, and especially on the mobility side, I truly feel like you have to be able, as a community in the environmental community and the, the automotive community, we have to be able to give drivers access to the vehicles that they want to drive, not just, you know, kind of an ugly looking efficient car, but we've got to have, you know, all of these different um, types of cars, trucks, you know, whatever it may be. SUVs, sure. Exactly. And so, you know, once we're able to kind of provide drivers with vehicles that they really enjoy driving, that they're, you know, happy to be in, that they're proud of, I think that's when we'll we'll reach the tipping point in the ZEV movement. I have... You know, I, I learned to type on a Royal Manual typewriter. That's great. Um, and when I got an IBM Selectric, I thought that was the apotheosis of technology. And we'd hit we'd hit the top. Um, I have, and I'm not, and I don't mean to gush, I have never driven a car that felt as, as exciting to drive because of its technology, because of the, just the facility of driving it. Um, and I'm sold. You know, one question I, I wanted to ask you is, as I was filling the tank, it measured uh, the gas, and I think it was kilograms. Mm-hmm. How expensive is filling up my my uh, hydrogen vehicle vis-a-vis my uh, petroleum vehicle? Is it is it dollar for dollar? Is it a little more expensive, a little less right now? Well, it's kind of a trick question because, um, as you know, that. The, the vehicles are relatively new to the market and we've got time we can talk about the evolution of the technology, but the technology is mature. It's been around for a very long time, uh, both on the fuel cell side and on the hydrogen production side. You know, that's a very mature uh, industry as well. And now we're just trying to, to clean it up. Um, the the cost of the fuel, though, since it's a nascent network, there are only, I think, as of today, we have maybe 58 stations in California. Um, we're on the path to 200, which, uh, you know, EIN worked with the state government and regulators to get um, the f- commitments to build the first 100 stations in California. Then we managed to, um, uh, you know, along with a, a giant community behind us, uh, convince our last governor to double that goal to 200 stations. So that's the current state goal. Um, about, a, I don't know, another 130 or so are under development or some, some degree of construction right now. So we'll, we'll get to this point where we have a critical 
critical mass of, of a couple hundred stations, I, I think by the end of next year. But in the meantime, there's not a lot of competition between the station owners, the developers, the hydrogen providers, and so forth. And we just don't want consumers to be at the mercy of an early market. So it's a very long-winded way of saying that the automakers, when you buy or lease a fuel cell vehicle, all the automakers that are, are uh, making these and, and selling them in the U.S., which are uh, Toyota, Honda, and Hyundai, they all provide a fuel card so that they essentially are paying for your fuel. So, you know, technically you're, you're not paying anything for the fuel if you uh, buy or lease one of these cars right now. Uh, realistically, if you were, the fuel would cost uh, right now about eight to ten dollars a gallon equivalent. So okay. yes, you know it's sold uh, by the kilogram. That's the way we measure uh, gas in, in this country. Uh, it's unfortunately a, a complicated thing. We Americans we just don't love the metric system, so we've got to make it that much more complicated to you know to try to uh, communicate to the to the public. But um, you know one kilogram of hydrogen has uh, about the um, energy equivalent of about two gallons of gasoline. This so is four dollars a gallon. Well, no, no, it's the opposite. So, you know, we're seeing a, anywhere from 16 to $20 for a kilogram right, right. now. Um, and so that, that comes out to about eight to $10 a gallon. A gallon okay. But I will say uh, very, very quickly that the federal government um, is all behind hydrogen. The Biden administration is all behind hydrogen right now. And it set a very uh, aggressive goal of getting hydrogen to $1 a kilogram by 2030. That's a 50 cent per gallon equivalent. So we are on a very short path and you know, just over seven years, our goal is to uh, essentially be pro providing an equivalent of 50 cent gasoline. Well, it's exciting because we're going to live to see to see this, where it's going to be a normal thing, where it's going to be a regular thing. I have to, I have to ask you something else too. Um, I made the rather inelegant joke because when you hear hydrogen, you think of you know very flammable gas. And I made that joke, and I'll say it again about the Hindenburg, uh, which was fueled by hydrogen gas. What are, if any, the drawbacks, safety issues? I think people might hear hydrogen and think, oh, scary explosions. Um, I felt perfectly safe driving the car. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, in a nutshell, the cars are incredibly safe. Um, certainly safer than, than gasoline vehicles. Um, look, at the end of the day, any type of energy carrier is going to have some sort of volatility, right. volatility associated with it, right? So liquid fuels like gasoline and diesel um, are held in a plastic gas tank that's injection molded. And, you know, at the end of the day, not, not that difficult to pierce in an accident or unfortunate situation. Um, and then that gasoline would potentially sink below the car. And then, you know, as with any other fuel source, you also have to have a point of ignition. So, you know, gasoline, as we all know, is, is very volatile. More flammable uh, than dynamite. Absolutely. Right. So um, batteries uh, have their own uh, issues with volatility and with shorts and, you know, the potential for fires. I'm not going to say they're they're dangerous. It's just a question of, um, you know, having safe manufacturing and handling techniques and charging and so forth. Um, but the interesting thing about hydrogen is it's it's the lightest substance on Earth. Right. It's the lightest substance in the, in the universe. So it's number one on the periodic chart, which which means it's the lightest substance. So if hydrogen escapes into the atmosphere, it will travel directly up at 35 miles an hour. So if there is an event where hydrogen is released from the car, and man, there are so many safety precautions to, to prevent that from happening, to shut off the tank, to shut off uh, any of the fuel lines and so forth. I mean, it's, you know, the, the safety precautions 
for you know a fuel cell electric vehicle are you know it's probably thousands more so than than a gasoline vehicle right so if you were to be able to get the hydrogen to escape it goes up into the atmosphere at 35 miles an hour if you were to ignite it it creates you know a, a pretty stable kind of tall flame it's over uh -huh. with it in no time but you know Besides the, the kind of the, the characteristics of, of the energy carriers themselves, I think it says a lot that companies like Toyota and Honda, who are known as the safest car companies in the world, have gone all in on this technology. Um, this isn't just a, a science experiment. This is a very sophisticated, mature technology that's incredibly safe. Uh, the fueling process is incredibly safe. I've been driving the vehicles for seven years, and I don't think twice about it. Um, certainly preferred over a gasoline vehicle. Oh, I, I, I'm, I am so sold on the technology. Um, if someone uh, listening wanted to go buy one, um, I'm sure you can buy used ones. You can buy brand new ones. What is the price range for electric vehicles, or rather for hydrogen-fueled vehicles these days? Well, you know, there, um, there are a lot of incentives out there. They're heavily subsidized just to, to help promote the market. Uh, you know, I think the leases on them right now are somewhere in the $350 a month range. There are rebates and, and so forth. Um, you know, all kinds of incentives that range from carpool lanes to, you know, to cash on the hood, so to speak, rebates. Um, but, you know, I think the, the lease rates are around 350 to 400 bucks a month. And uh, to buy the cars, gosh, I should know this, but probably in the 50 to $60,000 range before the rebates. And, and in fact, there was a new federal rebate uh, that uh, just came out in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act bill, which, you know, could have had a better name, but that's yeah. an additional $7,500 rebate on, on the car. So when you combine that, with state rebates and all these other incentives, the cars are actually much more affordable than their uh, gas and diesel counterparts. Oh, the, the, the government and people are trying to want to incentivize people to drive these cars right now. Let them, uh, let them be the evangelists of the technology. Um, I think it's absolutely wonderful. I, you know, I, 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 again, I had such a wonderful time driving this car um, and I miss it. Uh, uh, and, and, um, I, I look forward to driving one again soon. Um, but, you know, I have so many other questions and things I'd love to talk to you about, but um, we're kind of running up, running up against our time. And I guess what I'd like to ask you, uh, Brian, is there anything else you'd like to share about the technology, about um, this experience you've had? Um, because you really are on the cutting edge of something uh, that is new. I consider myself fairly aware. Um, I've learned so much from you just in the last few weeks. Um, and I've been sharing it with everybody I know. By the way, uh, you know, I was a stoplight. Almost without fail, if someone was in the crosswalk in front of me, they 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 pause and they look at my car very carefully and they sort of study it. Because, you know, the decal says that it's a hydrogen vehicle. It's part of, you know, the uh the storytelling is that the, the car is identified. Um, and that was kind of cool too, uh, that people were noticing it. Um, You're part of the movement now. Yes, I, I am. I'm an acolyte. Deputized. <laughs> so any last thoughts or comments you'd like to make? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the case for hydrogen is so massive and it plays such an important role in, in the energy transition and our fight for clean air and our fight against uh, climate change, right? It, it just goes well beyond mobility. Now, mobility in and of itself is, is massive, right? The um, the mobility sector contributes about half of our overall GHG emissions in California. Um, you know, th th there's a lot to clean up there. 
But the benefits and the um, applications for, for hydrogen are much larger than that. Ultimately, it is a very efficient energy carrier. And what that means is that we will, uh, as we move toward 100% renewable electricity here, which is law by 2045 in, in California, um, we'll have to store all of this wind and solar so that we can keep the lights on in a city the size of Los Angeles so overnight. Um, so, you know, if we only produce solar for eight hours a day, we're going to have to produce a, a heck of a lot extra and then store it. And uh, at, at the end of the day, there's not enough lithium and cobalt on the planet to do that, at, you know, at a global scale. So for all of us to use uh, renewable energy to power, you know, not only, uh, you know, our homes and cars, but industry as well, um, it, we will have to use hydrogen in order to do that. So what we'll do is we'll take renewable energy and in a lot of cases, we'll use it to electrolyze water. Water, which means just splitting uh, H2O into the hydrogen and oxygen. And we can keep that hydrogen as long as we want, and we can return it to the grid whenever we need it. So in, in California, for example, um, we produce a ton of solar energy in, in like February, March, April. We don't have as much of a need for it. We overproduce and end up having to waste it or, or pay other states to take it off our hands. We can store that energy in the form of hydrogen. And then in September and October, when we have heat waves and, and electricity shortages, we can return turn to that, that to the grid with the very same fuel cells that, that are powering the car that you're driving around. So the case for hydrogen as an energy storage medium, like a grid level energy storage medium is massive. Uh, that will undoubtedly be the largest scale application for hydrogen. And I, I think that will only help drive the case for hydrogen in the mobility market. And then we'll also see hydrogen used uh, for deep industrial decarbonization, which essentially means you know heavy industrial activity like refining, steel production, glass production, ammonia for fertilizer, we'll be able to use hydrogen instead of fossil fuels to produce heat uh, in order to, to decarbonize these heavy industrial processes. So it's so much bigger than just a passenger car. And even the passenger car alone is just such a mind-blowing and exciting application for this technology. So, um, you know, the, the longer we get to know each other, the, the more you're going to have to hear me talk about this. Oh, I love it. I obviously get very excited and ultimately I'll leave it with this. It really is the cornerstone of the new energy economy across all different applications that, that we'll need to see uh, evolve as we decarbonize and try to clean up, uh, clean up the environment here. It, it is an exciting thing. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, when I thought about the migration from uh, LPs to CDs, I thought that was amazing. What you're describing is a complete overhaul of our entire energy system in the world. And um, it's really exciting. So, Brian, thank you so much for for joining us today in the conversation. Uh, and I look forward to um, talking again and again and hearing all the latest. Absolutely. Well, you know where to, where to find me. I will talk until you tell me to stop. So thank you so much, Jonathan, for, for inviting me today. It's, it's really been a pleasure. It's been a great pleasure. We'll do it again soon. Thank All right, you. great. Thanks a lot.